wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out and leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Human beings will do a lot of things to feel important. Dayolday.com. Pretty exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreAllDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. Hey, everybody, just a quick note about this episode and just this episode only that I finished recording it. I'm recording video and audio. And as soon as I got done recording, I realized that I had forgot to start the damn microphone. So this episode, the audio may sound a little bit different, maybe a little bit rougher than usual just on this one episode. But bear with me through this one. We'll be back to the normal at the very next episode because I said everything exactly as I wanted to say it here. I do everything in one take. I didn't want to re-record it because it wouldn't be as good. So if it doesn't sound the normal, super high quality that you are used to, that's the reason why. But again, we'll be right back to what you expect, know, love, and expect from the Work On Your Game audio experience at the very next episode. So just bear with it through this one, and then we'll be right back to what we're used to. So let's get into the episode. You are now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up. Doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, when not done, you'd use those personal initiative. That is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series, frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques, all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is why you are offended by things that really shouldn't offend you, why you're offended by neutral things, why you are offended by things that, I don't know, today it seems like people are being taught to be offended by things that really shouldn't be offensive to them. We're going to get into why that is, where it comes from, and uh, what sparked the idea for this topic here today in a second. But first, let me tell everyone, I have a daily motivation text that I want to send to your phone every single day, free of charge. The message is going to keep you focused, sharp, and on point. Straight to your phone, just like any other text message every single day, guaranteed. All you got to do to get into my text community, to be one of the recipients, is text me at my number, which is 305-384-6894. This message will come to you straight from that number every day. And an added bonus is that you can respond to any one of those texts. Sometimes I will send a question in those texts and you can just respond directly to it. And you'll be talking directly with me. The number is also down below in the show notes if you forgot it already. So now let's get into it. Where this came from was. The situation in earlier this year, in the late spring, I 
took a trip, a flight to Philadelphia around the Mother's Day weekend. That was actually on Mother's Day. I went to Philadelphia to surprise my mother and parents for Mother's Day. And I was on a flight, American Airlines, and there was a woman. I'm sitting in the business class section. There were no flight attendants. All From what I noticed, they were all female flight attendants, at least working in that section. I think it was only two of them, one on the left side, one on the right side. And I've been sitting there for maybe 10, 15 minutes. You know, you're sitting on the plane, just getting ready to go. You're sitting there for about 10, 15, 20 minutes. And at some point, this black guy gets on a plane. Now, the black guy, he was like an official guy, like not a passenger. He was a worker. And he had on the suit and he had, you know, his uh, credential around his neck and he had a walkie-talkie in his hand and he was wearing glasses. And I saw him get on the plane. I didn't know what he was doing because he wasn't, didn't look like he was part of the flight attendant crew. He was not a flight attendant type guy. He was like an official guy. And I saw him get on and he, you know, walks down. He's walking down the aisle because I'm facing the part of the plane where people get on. So it's one of those planes, if you've ever been in this section of the plane on, on the bigger ones, they have some seats that are facing towards the entrance of the plane and some seats that are facing the back, right, towards the cockpit where the uh, pilots are at. So I'm facing the entrance. So I can see anybody who walks onto the plane, I can see them when they come in. So I saw him come in. I didn't really think anything of him, but I did notice him because it wasn't anywhere for him to sit. I didn't know what he was doing. And the flight attendant who was working the aisle that I'm sitting in, meaning she was you know, serving me. She had already brought me like a, some apple juice or something like that. She says something into the ear of this black guy who's the f- official guy with the credential around his neck. I notice him look at me. She walks away and he comes over to me and he comes over. He's speaking to me really quietly, very professionally, very respectful guy. He says to me, hey, sir. You know, um, that hat that you have on, the staff here on the flight, they believe that the verbiage on your hat is kind of offensive. So I was sent over here to ask you if you could just, as a compromise, if you could just wear the hat backwards during the flight, because I had the hat on frontwards. Now, the hat that I was wearing was the work on your fucking game hat, which many of you have seen. And I'm actually not wearing it right now. Let me see. Let me grab one. I don't even know which one I had on. I think I had the blue one on. When I was on this particular fight for the black one, but it was this hat right here. If y'all watching on video, you've seen this, but even if you're not watching on video, you see me wearing this hat. It says work on your fucking game. It has the you in the profane word is actually starred out. But I mean, everybody knows exactly what message is being conveyed with that hat. So he was asking me to turn the hat around. He said, would you be okay with compromising and turning the hat around? And I said to him, well, for what? Of course, I challenged him on this. Why do you want me to turn around? He told me that the staff on the flight found that the verbiage on the hat was offensive. So the first thing I'm thinking to myself was, why didn't the staff, I mean, the woman had looked right at me. She had already spoken to me. Why don't she just say to me, hey, I'm kind of offended by that because you just turned that around. Maybe she felt like I might be hostile about it. Who knows? Who knows what she's going through? She's working on a plane. I know sometimes passengers on planes get crazy. So she had no idea who I was or how I might respond to that. So, and plus I'm the person walking around with a hat on that says, work on your fucking game. So maybe she was making a good judgment call to not approach me and ask me that, even though I wouldn't have, no, it wouldn't have been a big deal, depending on how she broached the topic. But I said to him, well, why? And he tells me that the staff is offended by it and they think it's bad language. And I said, well, no, we're just, I'm thinking to myself, well, I wear this hat all the time. I haven't had anybody ever say anything like that, even though, granted, I don't work in any, you no. Know, official spaces where I have to listen to what anybody thinks about what I'm wearing. So maybe that's why nobody says anything. Maybe they think it, but they aren't saying it. And I said to him, well, no, for what? I mean, what's the point? What gets lost? What gets gained if this happens? And he's just reiterates that he wants me to turn around. He asked and he kept emphasizing that he was asking me. He was very nice, very professional about it, asking me if I would turn it around. And I said, no, my ultimate answer was no, I'm not turning around. He said, all right, sir. 
He walks away. He goes to the back part, like where the flight attendants get the food and all that stuff. Comes back two minutes later. And again, still being very polite and very professional. He gets close enough to me. Nobody else knows that this conversation has happened. So it's not like he's making a show of it. He's not making a scene out of it. And he says, he gets quiet, quietly says to me, well, sir, we're going to have to remove you from the plane. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He says, well, I asked you if you would turn the hat around. And you said, no. So if you don't want to turn around, then we're going to have to remove you from the plane. And I said to him, well, you didn't say, if you don't turn around, we're going to remove you from the plane. Because if he had made that, if he had made that clear, those were the options from the beginning. Now I would have just turned the hat around. Now, this is my brand, work on your game. But it's not that important to me to wear the hat frontwards that I'm going to not get on a flight because I got places to go. My time is more important than you seeing what it says on the front of my hat. And I said to him, well, if you would have made the options clear from the beginning, instead of trying to make it seem like it was a request when it really was, it was more of a demand than a request. He was making it sound like a request. Actually, it was 100% a request the way that he said it. I said, fine, I'll turn the damn hat around if it's a problem, whatever. And he said, all right, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for going with me on this. And again, the guy was very nice, very respectful, a very professional guy. He handled that as well as you possibly could in the situation. So I turned the hat around, wore the hat backwards for the duration of this three-hour flight to Philadelphia. Now, when it's time to get off of the flight, I approached the flight attendant, the lady who was working my aisle, because it had to have been her who had said something, because there was nobody else who could have said anything. I didn't hear any, I didn't see any passengers say anything, and I doubt any of them gave a damn or was even looking at me to care. So I approached her and asked her, were you the one who asked the guy to ask me to turn the hat around? She said, yeah, let's talk over here. So we stepped over to the side and we're talking, and she's like, well, you know, I think it's offensive. No, you have that word on there, and I think that language is kind of offensive words, and that's part of American Airlines policy, et cetera, et cetera. She started giving me the policy spiel. And I said to her, well, first of all, why don't you say anything? And then she explained to me, well, I didn't know how you might respond. So this is what they do. They go send the black guy to talk to the black guy, right? Fine, fine. I mean, it's funny, but that is what happened. They literally did send the black guy to come talk to me. There wasn't another black person sitting in that section of the plane. But anyway, and then I asked her, I said, well, what do you do in your regular life? She said, you know, somebody has on um, something on their shirt, or I think she used, I don't remember exactly if she used any examples, but she said, somebody has on something on their shirt or a hoodie or something that is, has offensive language. We asked them to, you know, they got to turn it inside out or we remove them from the plane. That's just what it is. Those are the rules. And I guess this has become a thing lately. I don't know if this is new. I don't know if it's old. I have no idea. And I said to her, well, just asking her philosophically, when you leave this area, when you're not at work, let's say you step off of the plane and you see somebody walking with, let's say, my hat or a shirt that has language that you would deem offensive, what do you do? And she, I mean, she didn't really have an answer to that. And she basically said, well, you know, I deal with it. I, just, I get over it and I keep doing it. I said, well, why do something now? What's the deal? What is, how is it hurting you? I mean, you're working on the flight. I mean, you're still you know, serving the food and drinks and whatever it is that you do as your job here. What's the difference? What's the point? And the ultimate answer that she gave, what she said several times, at at which point the conversation pretty much ended was, well, you know, I have final say and I control this area of the plane. And any of you have been on a plane, plane is not that big. So this is a 15 by 25 area that she has, I guess, power over. And she has a certain title that is like the head flight attendant. And that's who she was. So she's the one who made this call that this thing is offensive to people. I don't know who the people were. Again, nobody else said anything. It was just her. So she was, I guess, taking her opportunity, just like a a security guard or a bouncer at a club. This is the one place where they have some opportunity to have power and they can enforce it. 
she did it. And I mean, she even had to do it through another person. She had to be passive about it. And I'm the one who approached her and said, hey, were you the one who said this? And then she told me what the deal was. She wasn't even going to say anything. Which is a whole other set of things that I could talk about that could lead to all other conversations. But I think I've told you enough of the story. The whole point is, it led me to thinking about what we're going to talk about here today when people either are offended or claim to be offended by things that are neutral. And one of the main reasons that people are making more of a show of this these days is because it's like this flight attendant on American Airlines. This is the one time that she could actually do something about it. Because again, if we were sitting next to each other at the movie theater, or she was at the playground with her kid, and I'm at the playground with the kid, and I got this hat on, nothing she could do then, nothing she could do anywhere else. But this is the one place, this 15 by 25 square, where she had some power to do something. She you know, had called a black guy to come talk to the black guy to enforce this and claim her offense. Let's talk about this. Point number one, today's topic, once again, is why you're offended by things that generally probably don't offend you, but you're claiming that they do, number one, you're not really offended. This is the first point. As I said in episode 1888, when I talked about victims becoming the new dictators in episode 1613, why victimhood sells. Being a victim is a new power position. Claiming to be offended is now the new thing that you can do to get power over other people. See, being the person who has, actually has power and taking advantage of the weak person, the victim, that used to be what the powerful person, that used to be the powerful person in the room. Now the powerful person in the room is the person who is offended, the person who's victim, the person who's being bullied, the person who's being marginalized, the person who's not being recognized. Now they can leverage that to control or at least try to control the people who are doing the oppressing, the alleged oppressing. All right, they get a little bit of power in this situation, at least some quasi power. Now, did this flight attendant really acquire any real power by having me turn my hat around or let's say I had taking the hat off or had I been thrown off the flight? Did she get any real power from that? Was anything actually achieved? Of course not. She still had the same job. She still had to do the same work. She's still serving food and drinks on the flight. But now claiming to be a victim gives her that temporary boost that she otherwise would not have had. And human beings, and this is not about her because this is a situation, just a microcosm of a much bigger thing that's going on. And that's why I reference you to these other episodes. This is my, not my first time talking about this. Human beings will do a lot of things to feel important, even if only temporary importance, even if it's a fleeting feeling, that feeling of importance matters a lot because all humans have egos. There is a process in life for acquiring real tangible power. There is a process for doing it, but that process requires an investment that not everyone is willing to make. Thus, we get the shortcut of being a victim. Moving on to point number two, today's topic, once again, is why you are offended by neutral things. Number two, but you may ask, Dre. What about people who really are offended? What about people who really are offended by the profanity or the intimated, the profane language on your hat that is being suggested, even though it doesn't say the full word, the suggested profane language on your hat, Dre, what about people who really are offended by that? What if someone with a five-year-old kid was sitting next to you on a flight and they saw it and they really did have a problem with you having that language on their hat because their kid had seen it? What about that? What if people really are offended? See, the change is... Now they can do something about it. See, if you were offended 10 years ago by anything, you just had to be offended. You had to eat that offense. You had to take that home with you and wear it and figure out what to do about it. Now you can do something about it. So let's address the snowflakes who now can do something about the fact that they're offended. First of all, mental toughness is a requirement for life success. And many people lack it. And this is 
one of the main reasons why many people don't achieve success in life is not information or access or knowing the right people or any of the normal things that people like to say is the reason why they're not where they're at. It's usually a lack of discipline, confidence, mental toughness, or initiative, which is why this show is all about those four principles. Without mental toughness, you can still live. You can still survive. You can still live 100 years and have a happy life and have people at your funeral. But you will be limited to a narrow scope of environment and activity because there are going to be so many places you don't want to go or won't want to go or can't go or things that you can't do or won't do simply because you will be offended if you get into those spaces. And there's nothing that you can do in those spaces when you are offended except eat it. And many people don't want to eat it because they don't want to build up their mental toughness. So they just stay away from those spaces. You will, when you lack mental toughness, you must remain in a bubble in which your weaknesses are accepted and compensated for. See, this is what people who don't have mental toughness do. They get themselves into a little bubble where they are validated and affirmed, where their mental toughness is masked and it does not get used against them. And they just stay right there in that little space that they're confined to that box where they can get away with being mentally weak. And there are a lot of people who do this. I talked about this when I did my four-part series about Ibram Kendi. And I talked about his book, the anti-racism book. One of the things that I pointed out about Mr. Kendi, and I think it was a brilliant idea what he did with this book, because he knew exactly who his target audience was, which was absolutely not me and probably not you either. Maybe some of you, but most of you know. He understood that if he was to go into the public square and debate and defend, debate on this book and defend the arguments that he puts forward in this book, he would probably get destroyed because there's a lot of bullshit and a lot of bad data in this book. I talked about this in episodes 1788 through 1791. If you have not heard those, go listen to them for yourself. And you'll see me point out logically and objectively the bad data and the lack of research and the incomplete arguments that he puts forward in that book. However, even Kennedy was smart enough to know that what I just said, he's smart enough to know that he probably shouldn't go into the public square and talk to people who, like me, have some challenges with some of the points that he made in that book. So what does Mr. Kennedy do? He stays in his bubble. He has not, since this book came out, this book has been out for probably three or four years now, probably sold a lot of copies. This has been a career-defining publication by Mr. Kennedy. Great business move by him. And I'm not saying that in a facetious way. But he's been smart enough to stay away from anyone or anywhere where he might have to actually defend these points, these talking points that he made in his book, because they won't stand up against any real scrutiny. So he stays in his bubble where he is defended, validated, and affirmed by a jury of his peers. His peers who want to believe the same thing that he wants to believe, many of them want to do the same thing that he did, just on different subjects, maybe at a lower level than what he did on maybe the same subject where they can all be validated and affirmed and they can, it basically becomes this mutual admiration society of people who are not willing to put their stuff out into the public square where they know it would get destroyed. I talked about this when I talked about anti-racism. I talked about it in episode number 1886, where I talked about dissecting critical race theory. That's another one. When we talk about wokeism, when we talk about victims, all of these episodes, you have these people who are espousing these points that I've gone against. And the thing is, nothing wrong with them having the ideas that they have. The challenge is they won't go anywhere where they will have to actually defend these against real criticism. So they stay in a bubble where they will only be validated and affirmed. And to me, this is a clear, there's a clear sign of a lack of mental toughness. When you will not go anywhere where you could possibly lose, where you could possibly get beat, where your beliefs will possibly be exposed to the light. So you stay in the places where you'll only be validated and affirmed. And this woman... She was, this is a microcosm of it because she said, well, look, I saw you with that hat on 
at no Applebee's. I couldn't do anything about it. But since I see you with the hat on this square that I control, now I can do something about it. Like, for what? I mean, again, what is the tangible gain in this situation? That's the real question. It's not about whether or not it's part of American Airlines policy. I didn't go check. I believe her. I took her at her word for that. But what's the point? What's the outcome that is gained? What did I gain? What did she gain? What did any other passengers gain? What did anyone gain through this situation? Well, all of you gained because I got to talk about this and I got some content out of it. I can make content out of anything. But other than that, what else was gained in this situation? I can't think of anything. But if any of you notice something and I'm not noticing, please let me know. So as I said, some people just stay in their bubbles in life. When, it, when you have no mental toughness, you have no choice but to stay in your bubble or go out into the world and get your ass kicked until or unless you develop some mental toughness. Outside of that bubble, your weaknesses will be used against you. Think of a wild animal, for example, that lives in the zoo versus the wild animal that's living in the jungle. All right, there's still the same animal, but it's two completely different environments. See, the jungle animal can easily live in the zoo, but the zoo animal cannot easily live in the jungle. They wouldn't last long in the jungle. Moving on to point number three. Today's topic, once again, is why you're offended by neutral things. Here's the second thing on the third point is we have to draw a line at what we accept as offensive versus what you need to learn to deal with. And this is really the crux of what I was asking this flight attendant woman once she made the whole uh, this is company policy point, which doesn't matter to me. And by the way, if you work in customer service, any type of customer service, never stonewall a customer by telling them about your company policy. No customer ever has been satisfied by being told by an employee that this is company policy. Usually that's some form of, well, I'm not going to do anything different because it's company policy. All right, that's the worst thing that you can say to a customer in my experience. Anyway, we got to draw a line at what you need to learn to accept versus what actually needs to change. Now, I could say that I think your clothing is offensive. Like if you're an overweight person and your stomach is out based on the kind of clothes you wear, I could say that's offensive. Now, you need to cover up because that bothers me and I can you know, claim victimhood in that situation. It would be kind of ridiculous, but I'm sure that's happened before. If I feel a female, is showing too much skin. What if I'm on a plane and I got my, and I have kids with me? I don't have any kids as of this recording, but let's say I'm on a plane, I got kids with me and a, a woman sits next to me and she has on a skin tight outfit and I feel like it's offensive. And I don't want my kids looking at that. They're too young to see that. I feel like it's soft porn. Can I claim offense? Can I tell the flight attendant, hey, I'm offended by this. She has to cover up or she has to get off the plane. As a matter of fact, I think I've seen videos of that actually happening to people that a female is told her clothes are too revealing and she has to cover up or she's not going to be allowed on the plane. That kind of stuff happens. And or I don't like the idea that's being shared on your T-shirt. You got a T-shirt that says you support whatever cause or you support whatever political candidate or whatever, a political party or a person who I think did something wrong 10 years ago. I don't like the idea that you're espousing on that shirt. You got to do something about that. Now, listen, I'm allowed to feel however the hell I want to feel. I'm, my feelings are my choice. But none of your feelings are punishable offenses. Let me say that again. None of the things that my feelings are offended by are punishable offenses. None of those things, at least. And actually nothing. Nothing that I can feel bad about is a punishable offense. Now, if you do something, that's a punishable offense. Now, if you carjack me, I could feel bad that my car got stolen and I got robbed. But you're not going to go to jail because I feel bad. You're going to go to jail because you committed a crime right, in the law books. You understand the difference? See, the feeling of how I feel, you can't send someone to jail because of offending your feelings for the most part. The last time I checked, I don't think there's a crime on the books for making somebody feel offended. Now, there are crimes that you may also feel bad about, but it's the crime itself that you get punished for, not the feeling that you offended of another person. 
See, I would not approach you or the authorities about the fact that you something you did bothered my feelings. I would just have to live with it or I would have to find somewhere else to be. Words, opinions, support of a cause, a program, person, movement, etc. None of those should ever be labeled or accepted as, quote, offensive, close quote. People are allowed to have their opinions and their freedom of speech, even if their speech in your eyes is incorrect. When we start policing these things to protect, quote unquote, one side of a conversation or any particular opinion, that's when we start going in the wrong direction. Moving on point number four, last point. Today's topic, once again, is why you are offended by things that really should not offend you. This rampant victim claiming that's going on. Again, the, the airline situation is just a microcosm of a, a bigger idea. So I'm glad it happened because it, it got me thinking along this line. This victim claiming is making the world weaker as a whole. That's really what's happening. And some of you may have heard the saying that hard times make strong people. Strong times make weak people. So what happens is when times are hard, people have to get stronger to deal with them. And because they got stronger, those strong people, because they became strong, they make good times. I left the part out of that. Strong people create good times because you have these strong people with all this mental stuff they create prosperity. But because we have so much prosperity, what happens is the prosperity leads to people getting mentally weak. They relax. And uh, those mentally weak people bring on bad times. And those bad times, again, make people strong again. So it's like a cycle that goes on. The harder the times, people get stronger. They create good times. Then people relax. And then it creates weak times. Then people got to get stronger again. And this goes on and on. That's where we're at right now. We're at, right now we're in a down cycle of mental toughness to where a bunch of weak people have moved themselves into position of influence. And it's not everybody that's doing this. It's not everyone who's doing it, but everybody is responsible. Here's why everybody's responsible. If one person is claiming offense at some benign thing, and there are 10 people in a room sitting there and allowing that fallacy to be perpetuated, those 10 people become complicit in allowing the weakness to be normalized. And here's the reason why that matters. Because if you allow weakness to be normalized, eventually it's going to come for you. If your coworker or your staff member or relative is doing it, you see it happen, you do nothing, eventually somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else, somebody else, somebody else is going to get codified into a normal thing. And it basically becomes the broken window theory of victimhood. Eventually, the broken window is going to be your window. It's a slippery slope of subsidizing weakness. See, the bigger problem, as most people, including myself, we don't normally do stuff because of its alleged no benefit to the greater society. We usually do stuff because there's some incentive that affects us directly. That's how most people live their lives. We focus on ourselves and the ancillary benefits that it helps other people. So here's the thing. When you allow mental weakness to happen in front of you, it's only a matter of time before that mental weakness starts coming after you. And then you're the one wondering, where did all this ridiculous stuff come from? So that's why it matters. It's a community-wide problem. It's not just an individual thing. So let's recap today's class. Why you are offended by things that really should not offend you. Point number one, you are not actually offended because as I said in episodes 1888 and episodes 1613, being a victim is a new way to get some sort of power or at least feel like you have some sort of power. And because again, a lot of the things that people do to get this temporary power, the power goes away just as quickly as it came. And there's nothing actually to be gained from it. And there is a process of getting real power in life, but it requires real work that not everybody's willing to do. Point number two, what about people who really are offended? All right, the change now is that they can do something about it. And the thing is for these mental snowflakes is understanding mental toughness is a requirement for success in life. And if you don't have it, then what happens is your life gets more and more constricted. In other words, your comfort zone, as we all know it, gets smaller and smaller till you can, all you can do is turn around in a circle because you can't go anywhere. 
because all the places where you would go, stepping outside of your comfort zone, there are things that would challenge your mental weakness. And if you don't have the tools in place to deal with that, what are you going to do? Again, it's kind of like two lions. They're the same animal. One of them's living in the zoo, others in the jungle. The jungle lion can easily live in the zoo, but the zoo lion could not easily survive in the jungle. Point number three. Secondly, we have to draw a line of what we accept as offensive versus what you need to learn to deal with. And this is really the crux of how mentally tough you are. Where is that line for you? How many things are you willing to accept as, I got to learn to deal with this and I'll handle it. If I need to handle it, I'll handle it versus I'm going to cry about it and be a victim about it. That line, wherever that line is for you, really tells you where your mental toughness is at. Some people is at a level 90 and some people is at a level 10. Where are you in that line? Even if you do find something offensive, how do you deal with this? It's not the fact whether or not, it's not even whether or not you find something offensive because there are a lot of things you could be offended by based on how you feel. Everybody has a right to their opinion. Question is, how do you deal with it when you are offended by something? Do you address the person? Do you go talk to them? Do you go deal with the situation as it is? Do you go complain about it? Do you try to get somebody no canceled innocence? What do you do in that situation? Everyone's allowed to have their freedom of opinion and freedom of speech as long as they are not violating another person's rights. I think anything that is beneath that line, I got to learn how to deal with it some way, shape, or form, however I want to do it. Moving on to point number four, this rampant victim claiming is making the world weaker. And because we have a whole lot of weak people in the world these days who have come into positions of influence and weak people create hard times. Hard times create strong people. Strong people create good times. Good times create weak people because they get complacent and this goes in a cycle. So right now we're in a cycle of weak people creating tough times when the stronger people that will emerge from this period are going to make for better times. So all you have to do at this point is just stay alive and you'll get to see the good times. Right now we're going through a period of weak people leading us down a slippery slope. And what's happening is, again, Everybody is complicit in this situation. If you allow mental weakness to happen in front of you and you don't step up and do something about it, because eventually that mental weakness is going to come from you. We all do things because there's some incentive that it affects us directly. And many of us, again, we don't want to see this broken window theory of victimhood because eventually, again, that window that's broken is going to be yours. So you see somebody being a pussy, being mentally weak, being soft. Being biatch, like I talked about in episode number 1387, then you should take responsibility and do something about it. Just my suggestion. All that said, two things for you to do. Text me, get my daily motivation. My number is 305-384-6894. And go to workonyourgameuniversity.com. So you can work with me directly in my group and one-on-one coaching programs. We can work strategically to build that roadmap in reverse from where you want to be to where you are right now. We get strategic about it. You can be held accountable and you have someone to help you Make sure that we are checking along the way to make sure you're staying on course, staying on the right path like a plane. You go two degrees off course, you don't end up at the right airport. Same thing with you. You need the ongoing support for this, not just a one-time get an idea and think that everything's good forever. Work on your game. University is where you do that. Work on your game. Dre, all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused, and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number, 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone, free of charge, 305-384-6894.